0: Welcome to Evil: The Story of Us. I'm Brittany,
1: and I'm Lowell.
0: And today we're talking about epitaphs, which I just found out I've been pronouncing wrong. Um, I always pronounced it epitaph, but that's not correct. It's epitaph.
1: What's the difference?
0: Um, well, one's a epitaph with a th, and one's an epitaph with a ph. That,
1: that, that sounds like there's no difference to me, but okay. <laughs>
0: Well, they're inscriptions on grave markers, and I'm going to be honest with you, I went way too hard on the research for this. I find them to be really interesting, so I'll go on and on and just tell me if I'm droning. I'm going to really concentrate on New England and New York settlers' graves here, uh, but we might have to do a part two on the South, the Wild West, and Louisiana, because this is really interesting stuff and I have a lot of cool examples that you're going to hate.
1: Ah, well, we'll see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So let's start off with Puritans and English settlers. So these are people who really uh, settled in what we now call New England and parts of New York State as well. Um, The bottom of New York State is predominantly Dutch. So they have some cultural differences. Okay. Now, you have to understand that at this time, death was not seen as a medical event. It was seen as a spiritual and family one. They died in the home without the use of medical equipment and death was part of their everyday life. Uh, Nobody died in a hospital. And this pretty much goes for everyone I'll talk about, not just the Puritans. Now, Puritan graves had symbols on them, but the Puritans were very uh, anti-symbols. They were symbol phobic. They were seen as false idols and graves were meant to be very simple. There was well, considered. Sorry, go ahead. They were
1: they were very serious. I know the Puritans were very serious, and uh, they were very against icons, and that was with a lot of those uh, breakoffs of Christianity.
0: Yeah, that's exactly correct. Um, they're considered death centered instead of resurrection centered. Uh, they wanted you to remember that this can be you anytime, anywhere. And this kind of mentality was later popular among Calvinists in the area as well. Hmm. The most common epitaph at this time was the death's head, which I'm sure that you know (laughs) what it is. It's a skull with wings coming out of its ears.
1: It was used by the Nazis in their concentration camps for the SS officers in charge.
0: Oh, I did not know that. But the Puritans used it as a symbol of, remember, you're going to die soon.
1: Well, I know the Germans in World War Two. the
0: SS officers that ran
1: the concentration camps were given that because uh, you, you've you seen it with, uh, you've probably seen it. There's like the skull on the, uh, the caps of the uh, death camp officers and movies and stuff. And that was because they gave it to them because of their close relations with death. And that's what they, so they, they branded them that that's the symbol that they were given.
0: No, I didn't know that. Um, they were also very into Memento Mori. Uh, Which means, remember, you must die.
1: Yeah, they sound like a fun group of people.
0: No, they don't. (laughs) A common poem, which I know you love.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I remember this.
0: Behold and see as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, soon you will be. Prepare to die and follow me.
1: Yeah, so creepy
0: the origin of this poem has been lost to time. That, you see, that makes it even worse. <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, but it's been seen as written as traveler, traveler, behold the sea on the graves alongside of Roman trade roads. Hmm. It's ancient.
1: Yeah, it's got a really ancient origin. I wonder how the Puritans came to like have that as their they're like, you know, Main thing on their graves.
0: Yeah, it's really cool how some things really stick to people beyond cultures and beyond, you know, a large amount of time.
1: Yeah, uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, if it goes back to the Romans, and I know uh, the Romans had a huge impact on everything, but to see that even in like times like not that wasn't too long ago, technically. So, pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, it is pretty crazy. I, w- I was kind of shocked to know that Romans even used epitaphs know well, the
1: Romans were huge into writing. I mean, that's their whole thing.
0: <laughs> I mean, you're right; it is their whole thing. So these graves were written on slate, which is why a lot of them still exist today. If you think of gravestones in our area today, they'll largely be Puritan gravestones because the slate was pretty sturdy. Hmm. So if you go to a Puritan gravesite today that's likely not where their graves are. It's just the stones or vice versa. The stones might not be there, but the graves are because they, oh, that's nice. yeah, during construction, they would either just move the stones into another place. And people, leave the bodies. Yeah. People find bodies all the time when they're doing construction. And actually a funny story. When I was in Salem, uh, the tour guide told us that the local bar, which is right next to the graveyard, they said that one day the um the brick gave out and it was essentially a retaining wall and a coffin just slid into the middle of the bar
1: holy shit yeah that's pretty bad i think it's I would... not great oh god that would imagine sitting there you're having like a gin martini and then just a whole ass coffin slides in front of you
0: i'm sorry a gin martini is that is that your drink of choice
1: Oh no, not because of that video. It's no, all right. It's just the first thing that came <laughs> to my mind.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, Lowell, you're drinking gin martinis, and you cannot convince me otherwise.
1: I'm not drinking gin martinis. It's just a fancy drink that came to mind mm-hmm. because of that well, video.
0: <laughs> I don't know what video you're referring to. You though. know
1: exactly the one I'm talking about—the House of the Dragon video.
0: You mean a Spagliato?
1: No, Nebroni? no. The, a, no. Afterwards, the other girl says like gin martini. We're going oh, to the point here. Back to the epitaphs.
0: <laughs> back to the epitaphs. As the first funeral home opened in the 1750s, the skull imagery was replaced by cherubs with wings instead. So graves and death was kind of moved out of the household. You, the family, no longer prepared the body. So they're seen as like a kind of disconnect between death and death and the the family so they stop using such death-centered imagery um it's focusing more on the resurrection and that's a common christian belief that people will uh resurrect after death and the more i'm reading into this is that modern christians seem to believe that you know your spirit is resurrection resurrected in the afterlife but these people seem to think that these bodies were going to start popping up.
1: Well, yeah, isn't it? Uh, in the book of uh, Revelations, like it says, like uh, when the apocalypse comes in the end times, all the bodies will will rise and everyone will be resurrected and risen to heaven.
0: Yeah, they they really thought their bodies would be popping up in resurrection. Um, Unlike what I believe modern beliefs are more like.
1: Yeah, that's very different from modern Christianity.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree, especially in the fact that we don't hang witches anymore.
1: There's a lot of things that are different from modern
0: <laughs> from modern
1: Christianity.
0: The, ma- the main thing are witches, I think.
1: Um, yeah, witches.
0: And the stoning and the whipping and the whatnot. Anyway, the Quakers had totally oh, different Quakers. ideas on what Gotta rage the Quakers. should look like. Gotta they largely... The Quakers. They largely settled in New Jersey and Pennsylvania in small parts of New York. I did watch a documentary about the Quakers, and they tried to do missionary work, but then they would come home, like, whipped, and they would also have H branded into their forehead, which means heretic.
1: Yeah, they were always getting bullied by the other Christians, Poor Quakers.
0: They really were. People hated them. They were so nice and
1: jolly, and, like, they, they were like that nerdy kid on the playground as far as Christians go, you know?
0: Yeah, people hated them a lot, which is why they didn't branch out too much. They didn't believe in marking graves at all and thought that everyone should be treated the same in death and that marking stones were used to separate the dead from each other and that was blasphemy.
1: Wow. that's kind of cool, I guess.
0: They didn't mark any graves at all until they ended up using marking stones or field stone to separate. Yeah. Essentially just rocks without anything written on them, Um, which we have a graveyard near us that looks like that where they're just field stones.
1: Yeah. I I see it every day when we drive by it. So that's probably what it is.
0: Yep. It it might be a Quaker cemetery. Um, It also backs it up too, because later in Quaker ideology, They did start using headstones, but they would only write, you know, the person's initials or the person's name and maybe when they died, but nothing else. And actually those gravestones that are there just have names on them and nothing else. There's no iconography. There's no decoration. It's just their name. Hmm. Now they also, in later years, would also write first day, second day, instead of Sunday and Monday. So if they said they died on the second day, they would mean they died on Monday. Okay. Now, both of these groups, the Quakers and the Puritans, were, were a little bit similar in some ways because they were both English settlers. Now, when the stones were made, they would often be placed years later, as it took time to finish settling the estate of the deceased, And raise cash, which is um, why you can sometimes see mistakes on the stone. Because people would forget dates or spelling of names. So you'll see on records and tax records that someone was born a certain day and then their gravestone says something completely different. That gravestone could have been erected 10 years later. Oh, wow.
1: Okay. That's pretty strange.
0: We have evidence of certain battles happening at certain times. And you can go to the gravestone of the person who died in that battle, and it'll be a full year off
1: that's
0: because crazy. we just forgot.
1: Well, I mean, I could see that with a battle, but like for the normal of people, I feel like that's kind of strange.
0: Well, they didn't exactly have the ten shillings it would cost to buy a gravestone, so you had to wait. <laughs> you had to wait for the estate of the person who died to be settled legally. And then if there was any ex- extra money, you could buy a gravestone, or you would have to wait and like collect cash over the years, and then you'd be able to buy one, and then you'd have to commission it and wait for it to be done. Hmm. So that could be up to 10 years, depending on your situation. It's also kind of important to note that spelling was not standardized at this time. So these people were educated, and they could read and write, but... They weren't reading and writing the same things. Some person in a printing press could misspell something and they would get it in their hand as a little booklet and they would read it and that's how they would spell that word.
1: Oh my god. Well, I didn't expect them to be completely literate with that time period, you know. They were marrying their cousins and stuff, so.
0: It was really hard. Okay, lol, it was a hard time to be alive. They could read.
1: Well, eh, eh. Have you seen how some of them were writing back then? The words don't make sense. You ever read original Shakespeare? It's like that. Makes no sense.
0: That was a long time before this.
1: Yeah, but it's the same idea. It's like a different form of English. It's all, it's just like, it's really fancy, but also makes no sense at the same time.
0: (laughs) You can also see stones later, because again, they would pay for them later. Um, An inscription for the person who paid for the stone. That's why you'll see brother of or son of. It's the person oh, who to paid get, for the stone.
1: They got to get the creds in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's like, like if you like, died. It's like picture credits like, on Instagram. <laughs> if you died and I was like brother of Brittany, even though you have other siblings.
1: It's such an asshole thing to do.
0: Yeah, something I would do. Anyway, people paid by the line or even the character, which is why you sometimes see abbreviations on headstones. And you'll also see like a little D up in the corner because they didn't want to pay uh, for the extra character. Um, And there's some common abbreviations that I'd like to mention in case you see them. Um, In can actually just mean in memory of. If you see in first name, last name, it means in memory of first name, last name.
1: Oh yeah, that sounds really, uh, really bad just on its own on the gravestone in today's society. Yeah,
0: but I've seen it before. Lowell.
1: It's
0: true. I've seen it before, where someone will will it'll just have in and then first name last name, and I'm like, what on earth is that? Well, it makes sense if you consider that this would have been common knowledge that it was an abbreviation. This abbreviation I really don't understand. Ano Dom, which means mm. it's a short shortening of Anno Domini or AD. Why didn't they just write AD?
1: yeah well like i said everything had to be like everything had a different meaning back in the day and they used to diff- like their like the english language was completely different so you never really know what it was back then even language experts today don't know some of the language that they were talking with like if you they see a movie today if you see like a movie today on uh, like the pig era the puritans or like which which trials and you hear the actors talking and they try their best to do the accent and the language we have no idea if that's how they were actually talking. We get that from their writing, but we believe that their writing in their language, like how they were actually speaking, was much different because you wanted to sound fancier than their writing. And people would actually carry around like kind of these little dictionaries, um, and those would have all. it was kind of like a theosaurus at the time, so when you wrote, you could sound really fancy, but they didn't even talk like that, so we have no idea how these people actually spoke.
0: That's a really good point. It's also important to note that they were probably very colloquial. There was no way of a standard English language that they would maybe speak a little bit differently in New Hampshire than they would in Boston than they would in New York, which is why we have accents today.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, the colonies were, uh, I mean, the first government of the United States, like, it wasn't, uh, we, like, our whole system wasn't designed to, like, 13 years after we won the Revolutionary War. We had a totally different government wherein each of the colonies or the the states 13 states were like their own little governments with their own people and you'd say i'm i'm a new yorker i'm from new york you know
0: yeah fun fact uh when i went to germany and i told people i was american they'd be like oh but where and i was like oh new york and they'd be like oh god don't tell people you're an american tell people you're a new yorker
1: yeah like especially back then maybe we we know that, like, today in the United States, we're all Americans, and that connects us, but we're all, like, from different states, so that separates us. Back in the day, it was like, that was a way bigger deal, because there was only so many states at times, and, uh, it was, and people were living there their, like, entire generations, and just it meant so much more to them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I actually have a cool example of an epitaph that is very old English, and I thought that you would enjoy it. Uh, This one's from Massachusetts. It says... Yeah, there's a lot in Massachusetts. It says, here lieth buried and it's spelled B-U-R-Y-E-D ye body of Isaac Brainerd, assistant who died May ye 24 A.D. 1727, aged 46 years. Aged. Aged. I I may have ad-libbed aged. That's how I assume they said it.
1: See, now we have to, like, uh, you have to think, like, are we the ones that are spelling this wrong? Like, did, like, the language change? Or, like, was this just they were really dumb and didn't know how to spell? You
0: know? Well, I could get into that in more detail because I do know a little bit about it because I love phonetics. But... Uh, we did have um, a little bit of a spelling revolution um, in the industrial revolution to standardize spelling. Hmm. And New Yorkers speak this way because of Dutch influence. That's why we speak this way and Boston speaks completely differently even though it's right there.
1: Well, all of Manhattan was which was once a like Dutch colony fortress
0: all the way up to Albany actually.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I mean Manhattan itself was a like, They literally had walls, and like it was like a Dutch city.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, But in any regard, we're getting off on another tangent. We love history, and New York history especially. But that's why you might see on Gravestones, because again, they did pay per character or per line. They would say things like, read her epitaph in Proverbs 31. They would make you go to your Bible and read it. Another cool thing we see at this time, uh, we see poems that have been otherwise forgotten because they were written on paper, which no longer exists, but they exist now on gravestones miles away from each other so that we know they were widely known, but the author and the poem itself in entirety has been lost to time.
1: That's pretty cool that we're able to like figure out these old poems from their gravestones.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, You'll also see recurring poems in small areas, distincting where people were traveling. So you'll see the same poem maybe in Hartford and in Carmel, because people were going back and forth from that place to that place. It's kind of cool. Hmm. You can also see trade routes when you see graves pop up at the same time, like a bunch in 1802 for a smallpox plague. Wow. So you can tell that they traveled between each other because there are so many of them died at the same time from the same disease. That disease traveled from here to there.
1: That's pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, there's one um, epitaph that I'd like to read. It feels very sarcastic. It's Jonathan Toot. He died of smallpox despite inoculation in New Hampshire in 1777.
1: Should we describe inoculation for people who don't know?
0: Yeah,
1: go ahead. Uh, so inoculation was um, kind of like an early form of a vaccine. So say someone had smallpox, uh, they would take, they basically cut somebody's arm that didn't have smallpox, and they take like some of the pus from someone who did have smallpox, and they'd like put it into the cut to give you like a lessened version of the virus. It's like the earliest form of a vaccine.
0: Nasty. Yeah. But it's it was gross. it. It was effective. I mean, it did save people, but it also killed people because you're giving them smallpox.
1: Yeah, you're essentially giving them a very small form of, yeah. So you hope their body can fight off the little amount, but uh, if they can't, then they're done for.
0: Absolutely. So this one reads uh, Here lies cut down like unripe fruit, a son of Mr. Amos Toot. To death he fell a hapless prey. On April 5th and 20th day in 1777, quitting this world, we hope for heaven. Behold the amazing alteration affected by inoculation. The means empowered his life to save hurried him headlong into the grave. Jeez. Yeah, they were very salty. This was written by the reverend of his church. and so they then, were very and, uh,
1: angry about the inoculation.
0: Oh, yeah, and it killed this guy, and they wanted that warning to be up for other people to see. Uh, there's another one from this time. This is Priscilla Silliman, June 22nd, 1772 to November 23rd, 1773. She was one year, five months, and a day. Oh, Happy, Yeah, it's a baby. Happy the babe who, privileged by fate, to short labor and a lighter weight, received but yesterday the gift of breath, ordered tomorrow to return to death. Jeez. Yeah, it almost gives off the vibe that they were happy that she didn't have to live through the torture of life.
1: Yeah, it's, I, I mean, you can see it a lot, that they're trying to, like, make death seem better than it actually is, you know, because especially in that time, there's so much of it, you kind of have to make it normalized.
0: This one's really creepy. Uh, Richard Walker March.
1: Well, they're uh, all creepy, with... but...
0: His name is Richard Walker. He died March 9th, 1784. He was four years old. Ugh. Young friends, behold me where I lie, spelled L-Y-E, and learn from hence you're born to die.
1: Yes. It's a rough yeah. one. Yeah. But you know what's crazy is usually they didn't name babies like that. Like you said he was four months old.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's crazy that they oh. actually named him.
0: No, four, four years old.
1: Oh, uh, four months would be, uh, that'd be crazy if they actually named him. Because usually they wouldn't name babies because they expect them to die.
0: So I actually read conf- um, information that conflicted that idea, uh, that they were very into naming their kids so that they could be written in the book of the book of heaven
1: really because i hear like that gravesite you and me went to um there was like that one that just said like baby three months old or something like that and you see that a lot and you hear a lot that uh, they try to like when a baby was born they try to not get too connected to it because they expected it to probably die
0: well maybe it's that they named them during baptism
1: oh perhaps that's what it is yeah i'll
0: have to look more into it but uh let's move away from the english now and talk about the dutch they're a hard group to tackle for a couple of different reasons uh one because they don't speak english they speak dutch and their gravestones are in dutch and two because they loved wood and three because they're the earliest group dating back to the 1620s. Wow. Now, the Dutch weren't conquered by the English in New York State until 1664, and you can still see a lot of Dutch influence in um, New York today. They call themselves Knickerbockers, (laughs) Um, and you can actually see some of the graveyards are Knickerbocker cemeteries, which they named themselves, so they called themselves that, which I think is snazzy. Aren't, doesn't knickerbocker mean like underwear I don't know
1: there's gotta be some connection there they definitely like invented a type of underwear or something
0: Well, now I have to look it up
1: it has to be known
0: knickerbocker origin
1: it sounds like a slur also kind of like you well, that's,
0: yeah that's what I was thinking because I was thinking it was a, a slander but they called themselves that
1: you know maybe it's just that the British like were calling them that like in such a demeaning way that over time we all kind of so it looks like it's
0: it looks like it's actually because of washington irving who lived who uh lived in westchester in tarrytown which is now sleepy hollow Mm -hmm. and he loved to go to his estate it was called sunnyside and it was right near (laughs) the old dutch church
1: i think it's funny that he was calling his estate sunnyside in tarrytown he was writing all these terrifying stories
0: he loved that area. He said he loved the Knickerbockers, like he loved them. He called it Sleepy Hollow as a term of endearment, huh. because it was everyone was kind of like slow, and they kind of did what they wanted to do, and it was like the country back then. It was like going to Dover today.
1: <laughs> Dover? Well, I don't know about that, but yeah, maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, it definitely wasn't Westchester like we know it now, but. It was named after Diedrich Knickerbocker, so, which is so Washington he was the first Irving. Well, he was the he he was a um, pen name of Washington Irving. Oh, and it said he came up with that from the resemblance of knickerbockers to the knee breeches worn by Dutchmen.
1: There it is. That's why I think underwear.
0: Yeah, it's not underwear. It's pants.
1: Yeah, I know, they're pants, but same idea, like knickerbocker pantaloons. pants. Pantaloons! Yeah, pand- I was about to say pantaloons.
0: Pantaloons. But in any regard, we can see some kind of unique cultural differences between the Dutch and the English at this time. Um, we can see that the married women kept their maiden names, and you can see it on their gravestones, which I think is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, but the children would be named after the father. I did know that.
0: Yes. Um, a lot of these graves were destroyed due to development. I mean, they're so old people would just take the graves and move them. Uh, sometimes they would move the stones. Sometimes they would use them in the construction of buildings.
1: There's
0: been a couple of different stories where people have gone like into their basements in Albany and been like what is this Dutch writing on this clapboard here? Yeah, it's someone's it's,
1: gravestone. It's
0: someone's gravestone. and like, they uh, just that move grave, the bodies. like that grave.
1: It's like it's like that grave place uh, we went to, like, the, when we looked it up, that they said uh, people have been stealing the baby graves for, for like, what, chairs?
0: Yeah, um, so there's a local cemetery, we won't say where it is, but we went to go see it, and uh, people were driving past us, looking at us, and later we found out it's because people commonly go into that graveyard to try to steal the stones to make chairs out of them.
1: Yeah, because they were, I don't know why, but, like, they would... It said in the article we read that it was specifically because a lot of the bodies in that it was a family graveyard, um, and a lot of the uh, graves were of children that had died in the family, and they're baby graves mostly.
0: Yeah, I don't really understand the sentiment of being like, "Hey, that's a good piece of slate. I can't believe they're wasting it on a child's grave." But you know,
1: you know, I don't, I, I don't get that. Why would you even want that as a chair? Oh, my chair is made out of baby grave. It's like, gross. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't want a chair made out of baby grave, but didn't you uh, hear there was also an article recently written where someone stole someone's grave and made it into like an ice cream uh, stand because it's made out of slate and they could easily like chop up ice cream on it. And then later in the years, they went to renovate the space and they pulled up the slate that was on the stand, and they found it was a grave, and they were like, oh my god! Because someone's great-great-grandmother put it there? Oh, jeez. They had no idea. They were cooking on it for years.
1: Making ice cream.
0: Could you even imagine? Like, you just Cold like, oh, let me renovate cream. this. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Who We've wants been cooking cream? You want on a body. <laughs> you not so a really
1: body, but...
0: It's, it's made, not so grave.
1: Yeah,
0: so you can go into a basement in Albany and you know think about what your walls have been made out of if it's an old building um the no. dutch also buried themselves under church in or under churches and vaults so that's another reason why you don't find a lot of their graves it's
1: hmm. kind of creepy but all right
0: they also buried the on their own lands with wooden stakes and the wooden stakes would eventually rot away so if you're you're living on an old dutch homestead there's probably a graveyard somewhere on your property that's just unmarked and unknown
1: you know that really makes me think about meemaw's property because our grandmother has a very old dutch house
0: i was just talking to our mother about this an hour ago and i'm 100 percent convinced there are bodies there after doing this research because again they used uh, wooden stakes there's nowhere to, no way to know where they buried their bodies and they would very often bury on their own land and with, with just wooden stakes and no one would ever know it was there.
1: You know, and I was thinking, because we brought this before that because it's such an old property, people might have had their bodies there, but we always said that it's not consecrated ground so, the ground, so they probably wouldn't bury there. But this probably bring, and also it, it's, it's obviously Dutch. We have photos of the original Dutch homesteaders like they're painting in front of the building. And it has, like, the original, like, the door handles, or the original Dutch iron door handles. Like, it's a yeah. old house.
0: And their concentrated ground is actually kind of a new idea. They didn't really have cemeteries or uh, graveyards as we would kind of imagine them today. They had burial grounds. So they would just be like, yep, this is a good plot of land. We're going to bury here. They didn't really have concentrated, consecrated, consecrated ground like we would think of today. There's definitely bodies there. I'm convinced.
1: You know, this really like freaks me out, and now I feel like we have to go digging around her property.
0: I feel like we should not dig on her property.
1: I think we should. We should find these people, and we should sell the bones.
0: I'm gonna edit that out. Anyway,
1: don't edit it out. It's true. We should do it.
0: What would you? That's illegal. Stop it.
1: It's not illegal. It's a property. I, I'm
0: not going to Google that. I'm not. I Google had.
1: It. I'm not going to say her name, but I had a history teacher in the ninth grade, who her house was very old, and in the back of her house, her backyard was a Revolutionary War cemetery, and she was trying to get a permit to dig up the bodies for fun. She was. She was kind of crazy, by the way. <clears throat>
0: They also used sandstone. Now, Lowell, you're going to find this really interesting. The sandstone would turn red from iron oxide. That's why in graves around here, you'll see some of them turn red because there are lots of iron deposits around here.
1: Ah, we, were just,
0: we were just talking about this when we went to go visit a local grave uh, graveyard. We saw some stones that looked red, and that's oh. why. And we're doing this for research.
1: Oxide. We're doing it for research purposes, not because we're crazy.
0: Yes, exactly. And so this is because of the Dutch. They use sandstone, and that's something really interesting. We live in a, an area where the Dutch used to live, so it's really interesting to see that we could you could see that so many years later. Um, they also later used flagstone. And they would just put the initials in year of death. They were also against uh, putting idols on their graves. Hmm. Now, this is also found in the Netherlands. Sometimes it would write I-D-H-O-S. And it stands for in den hier on schlafen. Oh, you with...
1: pronounce that very well.
0: Sleeping in the Lord is what it directly translates to. I think they mean sleeping with the Lord.
1: That doesn't sound better.
0: Lol. Okay,
1: I, I'm not, getting, like, what, are we supposed to ignore that This some of this old language has different meanings today?
0: They were, they're they sleeping with God because they're dead, not because they they think he's sexy.
1: Yeah, right. But it, it, it is true that it sounds like that.
0: Perhaps Latin was used to display social status. You see some Dutch graves that say anno, which means in the year or year, or obit, which is Latin for died. They like also obituary. use. Yeah, exactly. It's a Latin root word. They also use day, month, year instead of month, day, year. So you can easily distinguish Dutch graves. Now here's a really cool uh, Dutch grave. I'm going to butcher the Dutch part and then say it in English. Here lies begraven. Here lies in the grave Cornelius C Van Wyck, which you may know the Van Wyck household. Mm-hmm. Overleden den 15 de maart, uh, which is the 15th day of March. Laid to rest, I believe anno which means year 1767 out zeinde which i have no idea what it means i googled it could not find any translation um 34 yar which is the 34th year uh and 3 madden which means 3 months and on the 6th day and 6 dagen hos velik high vines bleisch that rust in gut, verutten, die jut, zun verstoff mir lust, die Here lies the grave, Cornelius C. Van Wyck. How blessed is he whose flesh that rests in God justly trusts he will be out again with the lust of the Lord to behold his God. Wow,
1: that's quite the sentence.
0: and that's pretty much all i have for um local settlers graves um but i do have some information on common symbols you'll find in the area that i'd like to share with you um a squirrel with a nut is seen as the pondering of life on earth a pomegranate Mm -hmm. is the fruit of the promised land And you'll very often see grapes and vines as a symbol of the vineyard of the Lord.
1: Wow. Now, you were Uh, saying something earlier about our area having willow trees on the graves.
0: Yes. uh, Willow trees commonly are paired with urns. And the willow tree is draping onto the urn, meaning that there is sorrow Uh, The willow tree represents the grief and it is touching the urn, it's touching the dead, so it just means that the people left behind are very sad about the person who has died. Um, A serpent seen on a grave is seen as everlasting life. The serpent is often seen eating itself.
1: That's pretty strange.
0: There's an old belief that also that serpents don't die because they shed their skin. They cheat death.
1: I thought uh, the serpent had like more of like a satanic meaning or like the devil because of Adam and Eve.
0: I guess not at this time
1: huh. that's very very strange because usually serpents were seen as evil and wanting to cheat to death and stuff like that.
0: well, symbols change over time huh. um Uh, Clasping hands or a handshake is the hope to meet again in the next life or to be unified in death, often seen on married people's graves. Okay. Uh, An hourglass with wings means time flies or death too soon, or the sands of time running out. Sometimes they would even be buried with an hourglass in their hands.
1: Well, that's pretty strange. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And then we have an inverted torch, which is a torch turned upside down. I see this a lot in the 1800s. It means um, when you take a torch and put it upside down, it's a way of dampening the torch. Um, so it's not, it's supposed to go out when you put it upside down. And then, okay. so if the inverted torch is still lit, it means that your attempt to snuff it out was unsuccessful so it means that your everlasting life it cannot be extinguished oh okay and then we have the lamb i see this almost i I see it in the 1800s but i also see it re come out again in like uh the 1950s during the uh, polio epidemic Mm
1: mm-hmm
0: it's seen as the lamb of God. It's usually seen on children's graves. It dates back actually to the ancient Egyptians.
1: Yeah, but there is a lot of uh, that makes sense because there is a lot of references to like uh, lambs and uh, like children death and like the uh, Old Testament stuff, especially in exactly.
0: Egypt. Uh, three link chains is the Order of the Odd Fellows. Uh, You'll often see that with an F-L-T. It stands for Friendship, Love, and Truth. Often Freemasons as well. And then the compass in the square underneath is a Freemason as well. You'll see a G on there for God or geology. And then you you can also see books. They're often religious texts. Um, Revelations in the Bible say that only... The persons whose name is written on it will get into heaven. A blank or dog tagged ones mean, usually symbolize a story or a life unfinished or a death too soon. A draped urn is symbolic. So the urn is symbolic of the of the dead person. And the veil draped over it is the veil between the living and the dead. That's yeah. got to be the creepiest one.
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty creepy. I feel like all of this is pretty creepy.
0: Well, yeah. Open gates is a transition from one life to another. And then we have the chi and rho symbols, uh, or the x and p. It almost looks like a star with a little p on top. It's the oh. Greek word for Christ. It's thought to have originated in the fourth century after Constantine dreamed about being ordered to put a heavenly divine symbol on the shields of his soldiers, and then a wreath underneath means the triumph of resurrection over death.
1: That is is crazy, because I just wrote a paper on that story of Constantine's conversion and uh, this whole shield idea, and that's actually just one theory of why he converted. That's pretty crazy.
0: Pretty interesting stuff. I think that it's really insane to think that these people really didn't have a lot of knowledge, but somehow knew all of this amazing thing, all of this amazing stuff about ancient Egypt, ancient Rome, and all these symbols just continue to follow humanity over such a large amount of time.
1: You know, but also you have to think, I don't, they maybe have not had too much knowledge. I mean, what I'm studying like that's right all now they is- had is like yeah like i'm studying right now is Romanitas, which is after the fall of the roman empire everyone wanted they were so great and spread all their knowledge everyone wanted to be like them and you see that they had such effect on everyone like a lot of the barbarian kingdoms lost their original languages and like after the roman fall they were happy that the romans weren't in charge of them anymore but they spoke latin now and they forgot their original language so I feel like a lot of these symbols and stuff, like they didn't know they were Roman symbols. That's just what they were used to.
0: That makes sense. I didn't think about it that way. Um, the last one I have is the Alpha and Omega. It's the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Revelations use that title for Christ. Hmm. And then you'll also see pinwheels, clovers, hearts, um, the. Dutch graves, the ones that still exist, you'll see diamonds on them uh, for decoration. They really Mm -hmm. don't mean too much. They're just there to uh, decorate the stone. Because they look pretty. (laughs) Because they look pretty. Um, And then in the 18 and 1900s, uh, graves began to detail the living left behind instead of the dead. And military service icons became popular after the Civil War. And I think we're going to have to do a part two about more modern epitaphs and um, some from the South and different parts of the United States, because there's a lot of information. Like, this is only one region of the U.S.
1: Well, I mean, it's just, it's such a little niche, you know, and there's so much on it.
0: I really had to dig for this, for this information. It's not,
1: you can't just just Google it there's so much on it but at the same time not it's just like one of those little things that like no one ever notices or catches on to, but it has such a deeper meaning and it's so individual for each thing
0: so to leave you off i'd like to read a few fun epitaphs
1: oh that's, uh, that's very fun
0: stories uh cape cod fisherman captain thomas coffin yes that is his real name born january 7th 1792 died january 10th 1842 he has fished catching cod and now gone to meet his god. Oh, that's a pretty nice little rhyme there. Alright. This one is another sarcastic one. Um, I'm gonna read it to you and you tell me what you think about it, okay? Okay. Warren Gibbs died by arsenic poison March 23rd march 23rd 1860 aged 36 years five months and 23 days think my friends when this you see how my wife has dealt by me she and some oysters did prepare some poison for my lot and share then of the same i did partake and nature yielded to its fate before she my wife became mary felton was her name erected by his brother w.m gibbs
1: so she completely blamed it on the wife, pretty much.
0: Yeah, so his brother wrote that epitaph for his brother, um, say, accusing his wife of killing him. And she was never charged with his death. So this was a kind of uh, middle finger to her.
1: Yes, that's pretty good. I'd probably do the same thing if I thought that someone did that. I don't know if I'd defile my brother's grave like that, though.
0: Well, I mean, he did. he did pay for it, so... <sighs>
1: Yeah, you know, you see that with a lot of modern graves, because other people pay for them, that they design them, and they uh, sometimes they'll write, like, terrible things about the people who uh, who's, are in the ground.
0: I think it's really cool, um, some of the more modern graves that have recipes on the back. I really wanted to try to make some grave recipes, because I think it's a beautiful way of honoring the deceased, but Bruce is no, like, no don't way. bring There's- that <laughs> Yeah, Bruce is of- like, don't bring that death mojo Jojo into my kitchen.
1: I would never make food that was on the back of a tombstone. Oh my god. You're crazy.
0: I thought it was a beautiful way of remembering the dead, but Bruce had the same idea that you had. He was like, get that away from me.
1: Well, first of all, they're like really old food, so they probably have no taster. They're just disgusting.
0: And secondly, salad.
1: Yeah, and then like also on the back of a tombstone like that. where'd you get this recipe? It's like, I got it off a grave.
0: Maybe I'll bring it to Halloween and be like, Hey, oh, I found yeah. this on a gravestone. Anyway, um, two modern graves uh, that I wanted to read. Uh, Shakespeare's grave. It says good friend for Jesus sake forbear to dig the dust enclosed here. Blessed be the man who spares these stones, and cursed be he who moves my bones.
1: Oh, that's a good way of saying don't mess with
0: my grave. Yeah, he should have put it under concrete like uh, H. H. Holmes. And then for my last epitaph of this episode, Edgar Allan Poe's grave says to yeah. quote it the raven nevermore. Thank you for listening to Evil, the Story of Us. If you'd like to complain about Vocal Fry or anything else I said during the episode, you can email us at evilthestoryofusgmail.com.